Hello, welcome to Creating Portland. I'm your host, Pearson Coons, and on this podcast, I'll be interviewing progressive creators who are using their art to shape the culture of our city and beyond. I hope you enjoy this episode of Creating Portland. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. We are here with another exciting guest, and his name is Troy Matthews. He is a dual citizen of the United States and Canada, like myself. So I'm excited to speak with a fellow Canadian. Um, He is an arts educator who currently lives, works, and creates in Portland, Oregon. Troy graduated from the Pacific Northwest College of Art in 2016 with a bachelor's in fine arts and focused on painting and curation and then while getting his undergraduate degree he also graduated uh he also started a graduate degree in art and teaching which he attained in 2018 from vermont college of fine arts and i'm just so excited to get into his art with him because when you look at this stuff i mean this might sound like a like a novice take but it just it takes my breath away it just it made me gasp the moment i saw it and then it also made me just looking closer because it's so detailed but just the overall image breathtaking so anyway i'm excited to really get into this with troy and uh yeah welcome to the pod i am so grateful for being here this is amazing i've been listening to your podcast for a while since i found out it's going to be on the show and i'm a huge fan Mm. uh I hope to become your number one fan, oh, wow. by the way. Uh, <laughs> I found out that I'm a number one fan of someone else's podcast. Okay. I'm like, how does that happen? Uh, but I'm looking forward to continuing <laughs> my subscription to what you're doing well, here. This thank is fantastic. You. Yes, well, we already feel the love today. So we're excited <laughs> to have our number one fan on the pod. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, Troy, let's start with the big, broad question and get into it. But how are you, Troy Matthews, with your art creating our city of Portland? I would say slowly and in the background. Mm. Um, most social changes, you know, you have a lot of people like Martin Luther King and uh, Gandhi that have gone out and like take the spotlight, but there's a lot of people that are supporting them in the background. Mm. And um, I think that's my role. It's not to be in the spotlight. And thank you for giving me a spotlight today. <laughs> Uh, but it is to like give people space and opportunity to showcase their art uh, in our wonderful city and to try to, with my whatever power I have, whatever voice I have, whatever position I have, to do what I can to make our city, and not just our city, but our world a better place for everybody. Mm. Um, and so that goes through education, that goes through voting, that goes through marching in the streets, that goes through, you know, uh, creating outlets, giving awards out to people who support the LGBTQ plus a community, um, to like create this place to make it, you know, a place that you can express yourself. Mm. Um, and, and not only that, a safe place that you can walk down the street in the middle of the night and not have to worry about that someone's behind you whether you're female or male, um, you know, just being out and being a presence in our space where we live, whether it's, Mm. you know, the Pearl District, whether it's up by PSU or whether it's down on Everett Street, down in the heart of where, you know, a lot of 
poverty is happening, um, you know, just being a good example of wherever I'm at mm. to those people. And so whether it's my art or me, like I can't separate me from my art. And so being able to be that kind of person that someone can be like, I feel safe around them. Mm. I feel like I could trust them. I can go talk to them. Uh, you know, I need help. How can I get, get help from that person? Just trying to be that person. And often I fail at that, but you know, it's something to strive for every single day to help make everybody's day a little bit better because there shouldn't be, I mean, I was talking with a group of students. I, I teach middle school. Me too. And they just thought it was bizarre that women feel afraid to go out at night. Mm. Like that idea. And, and with everything that happened in London right now with the lady getting brutally murdered by the police, like that, that shouldn't be a part of our society in 2021. That's like, uh, you know, an 1800s type of thing with Jack the Ripper. Like that doesn't have to be our society right now. And so, you know, giving people permission to think new mm. and question and imagine otherwise is my role as an artist and as an art, edu art, art educator and an educator, just being like, how, how would you want this world to be? Mm. What would you like it to be as we go forward? Cause like, you know, all these boomers are going to die out and who's going to be left with the bag me. And I'm already old compared to my students who are 11 and 12. And they're already like super woke on this idea of climate change mm -hmm. and gender equality and all these other things. And I can't wait to live in their world. Right. Like I'm like my generation, like we're slow to the game. Like these kids are on it and I can't wait to live in their world. Yes. So. Yeah. I think, I mean, I am also a middle school educator, which we should definitely right. get into after the pod. Um, but yeah, I think kids are such a cool gauge of, like, if a kid thinks it's weird, it's probably, like, systematically weird. And we should definitely rethink the whole thing. Like, when you describe, like, oh, it's weird that women feel uncomfortable walking home at night. Like, that's a huge problem, then, if that is yeah. coming from these these innocent children. Um, yes, I just love how you are sort of taking a philosophical approach to creating Portland and how your existence is creating Portland. And some other artists have talked about that too, how just like being representative in a space is part of creating it. Um, and I like how intentional you are about that every day and in all the different spaces that you occupy. Well, if I don't, if I'm not intentional about it, I definitely get parents give feedback being like, hey, uh, you said that? Mm, yeah. Really? Really? You said that? It's so like, there, there's no line between like my personal life and my teaching. And there's no per line between my art and mm. my teaching. Like I definitely tell my students, like, I'm not here to make you all social justice activists. Mm -hmm. I want to help you get to where you want to be as a creator, but this is where my art is. And you know, if that's something you want to fall in line with, you can, but like, I'm not pushing you that way. Your art is to express you as a person and your ideas and your thoughts. And so hopefully, you know, working in middle school is not necessarily like the thankful job that it is at high school or <laughs> elementary, but there's a lot of like gray cells being developed there mm. where they're developing who they are as human beings and then who they're going to be in high school and who they're going to go out in the future. And so like, I think, you know, giving them the help and the permission to be like, hey, you are you. 
be you. Mm. Like, I don't need another common car- carbon copy of me. I don't need you to be your parents. I need you to be you. And you're going to benefit the world in ways we've never seen because you were yourself. Ugh. And so, yes. So exciting. Yeah, I think. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I, well, I just, you know, like it, it's, it's hard as an educator because like we have, you know, all these things that are like, you know, standardized and stuff. Mm. But like when we think about the human, like and the state of education, like what education is now is not what it's going to be in 10 years as we move to like more skill-based understanding and as robots take over jobs and things like that, I I think like it's gonna be about who you are mm-hmm. and like trying to develop how you're gonna be a good human or a good person, not just human. Like how are you gonna be a global citizen when you know borders are just made up and birds fly through them? Right. Like how are you gonna go out and make the world a better place? Cause the secret of life is if you, whether you believe in the Bible, whether you believe in anything, like it is to make the world a better place for others. Mm-hmm. Like we are caretakers while we're here, whether it's the environment, whether it's like the homeless person sleeping on the street, like the message is take care of each other. And how do you make it a better place for everybody? Mm. And I'm trying to do that with my art, not necessarily like in your face, I have all the answers, but at least give you some questions to like imagine things otherwise because mm. like just because we did it a hundred years this way doesn't mean we need to continue doing it like i got a phone in my pocket that allows me to do everything i need to right. just from my phone like that never happened like 20 years ago right 30 years ago like you couldn't do what we're doing right now and so we need to imagine otherwise and see things differently than we have been because like you know make America great again. Well, okay. If you look at that, uh, we were, had to outhouse. Right. People were pooping in their backyard and they had to walk to it. We have flushing toilets now. Let's, let's imagine America a different, let's, you know, Even try to make things yeah. better for everybody. Totally. And so, okay. I want to get into that too with your art is like, what does that process look like for you? How do you ask those questions and how do you convey those questions mm. through your pieces? Well, I want to start because like I just gave this speech to my kids today. Mm. I was telling them like like I just had a brand new fresh group of sixth graders come into the classroom and they're like, who are you? Yes. Uh, like, I, I don't know if I should trust you. Like, how do I know you're the art person that's going to help me? Mm-hmm. And I was like, OK, go through the slideshow. I'm Mr. Matthews. I do this. I do that. And like when I was in college at Pacific Northwest College of Arts, I was just making fan art. Mm. I was making like basketball players and NBA players. And, and, and I will say this, I like, right now I'm wearing an LA Dodgers sweatshirt and that's just because like, not that I love the Dodgers. It's just, I love teamwork. Mm. And so like every time a student sees me with a, a, a shirt on, that's a sports team. It's like, this is a team that does well with teamwork. I support teamwork mm. because like there's no individual, especially in art, like I got a supplier, whether it's the person at Blick, whether it's someone who's making canvases, whether it's the gallery owner, whether it's the register, like every person that I come into is a team, part of my team, whether I know it or not. And so like, I try to encourage my students to think like, you know, sports is competitive, but art is even more competitive. Mm. It's probably the most competitive thing you could ever be a part of, even though it doesn't feel like it. Uh, but like you're going to have all these people that are part of your team. 
And so like, I was trying to show them and like, and, and I think your intro of me was fantastic. It was like, I just need to get that sound clip, <laughs> put it in and be like, background music. Love that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the idea came from, well, I was in my sophomore year, our junior year of uh, Pacific Northwest College of Art. And a teacher just called me out on my BS. And mm. he's like, are you going to continue doing this? Fan art? Like, it can take you far, but like, you, when you die, are you going to care about this? Mm. And so I ripped everything off the wall. I spent an afternoon crying on a pile of paintings. <gasps> just like, and he's just like, asked me like, what is the authentic you? Mm. What is authentically Troy Matthews? What is authentically you? What is something that you would like die on to say that this is what you care about? And so like, I couldn't paint for a week. Honestly, I couldn't like pick up a paintbrush. Like I just went into the classes and sat there. Mm. Just like, oh, what is authentically me? I don't know. I can't do this. And like, I, you know, why am I spending so much on student loans to go to the school when I don't know what I'm doing here for? Right. And then, you know, slowly through the process of painting and just being like giving up my idea of what I want it to look like and come to what it needed to be mm. like i found myself going towards social issues i found myself being drawn to things that were unjust in our society that like just boil up in me and make me feel so much anger and hate and like just like you know i chipped my tooth <laughs> thinking about something that was injustice because I was clenching so hard oh because like I couldn't do anything to solve it mm. and like I live with that and it just goes around my head because I'm not like a neurotypical learner I have a difference I'm dyslexic and a little bit ADHD mm -hmm. and so like things just roll around in my head and I can't let go of it until I do something about mm. it and so I just put it on canvas and I was like, I'm just going to let this rest on canvas. And so a lot of my paintings is for my mental health. Mm. So like, I don't have a lot of shows. Most of the stuff is just in my studio on a wall and I'm doing it for me and possibly future generations. Uh, but like the idea is that I just need to get this idea out of my head so I can have a moment of peace mm. because it is upsetting me so much because it's not right. It is discriminatory. It is predatory. It is not necessarily just or about equality or equity. And so um, you were talking about the other earlier about how my material is. Mm -hmm. And in that, and, and if I'm talking too much, please, please <laughs> stop me. <laughs> this is the point I of the podcast. A you got to go off. Yes. <laughs> I do ramble. I do ramble. And my students will tell you that. They'll be like, ah, <laughs> he's 45 minutes into a, a 30 minute class. What is going on with this guy? Oh, God. Um, but the idea that like I, I switched from having things on canvas mm. because I thought of it as precious to just putting on drop cloth and having these giant paintings working as like an idea in a sketchbook. The idea that you're working out some problem. And so I'm just working out these problems on a large scale and then possibly showing them to people to not 
give them the answers, but spark the question of why mm -hmm. or how come or what could be. And so like, there's a lot of clues in there. Like it's very easy for me to just be like, hit you over the head and just be like, look at this and this is the <laughs> answer and this is the reason and this is the why. And you see that a lot on TikTok. You see that a lot on Instagram, especially with social justice things. And my idea is not necessarily like I've done that. And my partner, Amanda, she's like, why are you trying to yell from the train to people on the platform to get on the train that's already moving? Oh, interesting. Metaphor. And she's like, why don't you just, you know, talk to the people on the train? Like, they're all going the same direction as you. Why worry about those, you know, QAnon people? Why are you worrying about all these other people? Just because you want them to catch up with you. Like, why not just focus on the people who are with you? Mm. And so, like, I think that's where I'm at right now. But, like, with my paintings, I want to open it up to anybody to just be like, why did he make it? How come? What could happen otherwise from it? And, like, there should be enough clues in there visually with a title with the songs that go along with it, like to, to give people the answers that they will hopefully find for themselves. Because learning isn't about me regurgitating something to you that I learned and then having you regurgitate it back to me. It is really like you owning that education. Mm. And so if I can give you as many opportunities to be like, oh, maybe I want to you know, Google search that title and see what that means or Maybe I want to like, who is this person that this artist chose to do a whole giant portrait of? Why would I want to look into that? And like, what does it have to do with civil rights? What does it have to do with all these mm -hmm. other things? Maybe they'll find those answers for themselves and maybe they'll come to the same conclusions. But if not, we have a starting point to have a conversation with. Like I met a guy once in tech. He just handed me a biz, his business card, and his business card just had his name on it. And I was like, so how do I get a hold of you? And he's like, if you don't know that's the 2000s and how to get a hold of somebody just by searching their name, I don't want to do business with you. And I think wow. there's a new level <laughs> that we need to hold people accountable to, to be like, hey, you're either with us or you're on the platform. Yeah. And get people to like, you know, like there, there's so much that I can do of handholding and trying to get people to come forward. But at some point, like they got to do it themselves. And it takes a lot of creative energy for me and everybody else to be like, I need to educate you. I need to walk you through the path and get you on the steps. Like I've been doing this a long time and you're new to this and I don't want to offend you, but like, I got other things to do. Yeah. Like, there's other issues that I need to jump on and get a part of and use my creative energy and my force for that. And so, you know, like I'm doing my part educating elementary students, but I don't need to educate their parents. Mm. Like, like I need to like pause and just be like, okay, here's a break. Like if you have a problem with that, that's fine. Like that is your right and your view. But like my classroom is inclusive. We celebrate everybody, no matter where you came from, who you are, what gender, sexuality, you know, I'm here to support you. I'm here for you. We have a giant line in the sand. Like if you want to think about the old days and outhouses, sure, that's you. <laughs> but like we're in the 21st century. We're like using Twitch and streaming and listening to music and hanging out and going into virtual realities. Like if you want to be part of us, 
you got to catch up to us. And like, I think at some point as a society, we're just got to draw a line in the sand and be like, Hey, like, uh, you guys know, DC comic books, Superman, Batman, those things. Yeah. They had a zero year in like 2008, nine, 10, somewhere in there where they just said like, Everything before this is just old. We don't like it anymore. Oh. And we're just starting. Oh, over. I love that. And I think we need to do that as a society too. Be like, you know, this is our zero mm. year, uh, especially with the pandemic. Right? And these are the things we're no longer standing for. You know, like you're either with us or you're against us. And uh, you can be the old way, but that's not part of our canon. That's not part of our continuity. That's not part of our story. Mm-hmm. That was the old way of thinking. And that's, you know, from Mesopotamia, when people were, you know, didn't have iPhones and communication. Mm-hmm. But we are starting here. And this is where that new generation takes off. And these are the things we stand for. These are things that are okay. It's not culture, cancel culture, it's accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, you say something, you mean it, you stand by it, whether you post a meme, whatever, like you, you, you stand for right. that thing. Whether you just forward it, it's it's you. That's what you're saying that you're okay with. And if you're not okay with it, then don't post it. Wow. So. Okay. Yes. I mean, we're talking about this time as a cultural reset. And like for you, that is a true reset everything. Let's start from scratch in a way that is way different, which I totally agree. Like, I mean, we're talking abolition really came into the conversation this summer And it's like, that's kind of the level we need to get to of just like totally resetting Mm -hmm. a lot of these systems and problematic ideas we have in place that are, like you're saying, thousands and thousands of years old. These ideas of hierarchy of people, of worthiness, of, Mm -hmm. yeah, interesting. interesting. Well, let let me ask you a question, and this is open to both you and CJ. Uh, What do you, how do you define culture? Oof, I did not expect to be put on this spot. Um, but for me, culture is just like the exchange of ideas and values. And so that often... Ooh, and CJ, our producer, who is not being recorded but contributing, is... Um, saying that culture is what you want it to be. And uh, yeah, I mean, we are culture, we create culture. So if we don't like the culture we have, we are just as powerful and capable of shifting it and changing it and making it whatever it is. And for me, culture comes out in art and comes out in what we are creating more, like more quickly and more visibly than the, the after effects of those things. Um, right. Uh, I, I will just jump in yeah. here with um, Stephen Carpenter at uh, Penn State. He once said that culture is just how we do things around here. Oh, yes. I heard this what are we okay jump. with? Yeah. And so, like, how are, what are we okay with doing around here? And whether it is racist stuff or whether it is promoting other cultures and communities like that is what our culture is built up by what we accept and what we deny. And so maybe as we go forward, you know, we get to choose that. Like we don't have to be locked into what our parents said. We don't have to lock into what the past generation Mm -hmm. said. 
it's just about what we're okay with. And whoever has the most votes in America seems to be the one that leads what mm -hmm. culture is. So, I mean, boomers are dying every day. So <laughs> I think, especially the ones that don't wear masks, oh. I think, uh, hey, I'm good. I'm a political <laughs> artist. So what I'm saying is, as culture goes forward, we get to right. choose those things. We get to, and so like, as we say, like, this is all right. You know, we're okay with this. We want to support this. Like more of that will come. And as we shut doors, you know, we can close those doors and be fine with it and just be like, we're never going to focus on this again because we're not okay. Totally. And choosing not to change well, is just as much of a choice and choosing to continue these racist ideas, these sexist ideas, these whatever ideas is also making a choice that mm -hmm. this is how we do it around here. So until we shift right. that, what we're doing around here, it's just going to keep being what it is because it has no incentive to not be that. Right. And I tell my students that, like, if you see something racist, you see something sexualist, you know, you know, anything that's just anything mm -hmm. ist, you know, even capitalists, you could shut it down with this is not how we do things yes. here. You know, like, it's just a simple message to be like, that's not what we tolerate. And so, like, giving them the power and the choice to be able to be like, I can say yes or no to this. And whether, and like we talk about like TikTok and like, whether you like something that is saying yes yeah. to that, or if you watch the whole thing through that is saying yes to that. And so educating people being like, you know, you have a pro, you know, you can say, no, I don't yeah. want to watch this. I don't support this. And I think, you know, that gives a lot of people power that they didn't know they had before, especially younger mm -hmm. people. Because like, you know, those likes and those views and those comments turn into capital right. at some point. And, and so just making people aware of that. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, well, this is a riveting, but let's let's transition a little bit away from this and focus it more on your experience in Portland specifically, because that's what I'm curious about on this mm -hmm. podcast is what is working for you about the Portland art scene and then what is maybe some areas of improvement or things that we should should not be doing around here in this cultural conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Portland has a wonderful art scene. Um, we are on almost the same parallel line with Manhattan. Oh. And so whether it's a vibe or whether it's a frequency, like Portland has an amazing cultural cachet. Mm -hmm. And I've heard some of your other artists talk about like representing Portland. And when you say you are from Portland, a lot of doors open up. And I think that's fantastic. Um, and when I was more capitalistic, I had this idea because Portland doesn't have a luxury tax. Mm. We're one of the few states, there's like two or three that have no luxury tax. Uh, if you set up a gallery here in Portland, this is for anybody. Anybody can take this idea. I was going, I was hogging it for a long time. <laughs> but anybody could set up a gallery here, make some contacts with New York, with L.A., and then be like, hey, I will sell your art that's in LA in my space in Portland and you'll avoid the luxury tax and you can pocket it. And then your client just has to have their art on display in Portland for, I don't know, it's like six months to a year. And once that's on display, then it can avoid the luxury tax and it can go to their house and they sell it, you know, like $15,000 to a million dollars, depending on the price. That's how we got the France and Bacon at the Portland Art Museum when the casino owner owned it at Wynn. He purchased it at auction, but had it at Portland Art Museum. 
And because it went to the Portland Art Museum and stayed for a certain period of time, which you have to look at, because I don't haven't looked at what that statue mm -hmm. is again, but because of that, they avoided the luxury tax. And so any gallerist out there, um, you can do this and make connections with people in New York, make connections with it in LA, make connections wherever and sell their art here. You could just be a housing company that handles this transaction and it's a giant loophole in the oh, system damn. and it's perfectly legal and millionaires and billionaires are using it all the time to bring great art to Portland. And that's one of the great things about being in Portland is you get to see amazing art because these billionaires and millionaires are using mm. it to as a tax haven. <gasps> Whoa. Okay, I'm learning so many new so, things. <laughs> if you want to, start a gallery and you don't have to house anything. You just have to be like, hey, um, you know, Goshen in New York, can I have that painting? Um, we'll brokerage the selling from Portland and you and your, you know, whoever is buying it for 15 to $20 million can avoid luxury tax. And we'll take a 10% cut instead of a 15 or 20% cut and we'll fund our gallery. So oh if gosh. anybody wants that idea, please run with it. Um, I've dedicated my life to other things now, <laughs> um, but that is a perfect, valid, totally legal way to make a lot of money. And you just have to have some connections with major galleries and all the other oh markets. Oh my gosh. Well, I hope people are taking notes on this pod because that sounds brilliant to me. Um, okay, so interesting. So that's one yeah. thing that's just amazing about What people. else? The other thing that is very inclusive, there's a lot of people of color, even though our population is mm. small. Um, there's a lot of great shows out there right now, especially anything that Carlo Rossi does. Um, they're just making space for marginalized communities right now. Um, the Nat Turner project is amazing. If you don't know about them, go check them out. Uh, there are just so many people who are creating in this space and there's a freedom to it, uh, that isn't pretentious, mm -hmm. but that is just real and down to earth and ready to like engage with the viewer. And so I think those are the positive. Um, the things that we can work on, uh, we need more people who write about art. Art doesn't get any credit unless someone writes about it. And right now, like, you know, we have podcasts and we have, um, all these wonderful video things that are happening, but like art needs criticism and every great art movement has had a great art critic that wrote about it and complained about it and like sharpened it and made it better. And that's the one thing I feel like we're lacking here in Portland. Not that we don't have great art critics, but they're just not an, enough and they're not holding us to the fire. Mm. As well as. And like, you know, once you leave art school, you have someone at art school like holding you to a critique. You have a teacher, you have your classmates, and they're holding you to a certain standard. But once you're out of there and you put up a show, everybody thinks it's fantastic. But like, no, my show was great. I loved it. It was fantastic in a ray, but like there's so many critiques that I needed from that show. Like, you know, I can get all the pats on my back, but I need someone to be like, no, that's BS. Mm. Or no, hey, can you do this a little bit different? What if you thought about this to make me a better artist? And I, and I just feel like we're lacking at the moment. And I feel like anybody could take up that mount mantle and just be like, okay, 
like I'm going to hold you, your feet to the fire, and I'm going to criticize this. And it's not out of hate, but it's just about making you a better artist and making the scene a better thing. The other thing is we need more venues owned by people of color. We need more curators of color. Um, we also need to get away from the landscape. Portland is a very landscape uh, community. Mm. If you want to sell paintings in any gallery, uh, make a landscape, then <laughs> you'll get it immediately. You'll probably get picked up. And, and most, and, and here's another thing for Portland <laughs> artists: most of the galleries are already filled up with their selection of who they're going to represent, mm -hmm. and so you're most likely not going to get represented by any of the galleries in Portland, um, the Pearl District mm -hmm. area. So start with like the micro lofts on Everett Street. Try to get in there. Um, go up to Seattle. Seattle has a lot of new money with Amazon um, and they're looking to buy and a lot of galleries are willing to represent you. So if you're willing to take a three hour drive to Seattle, you'll get a lot more FaceTime with galleries and gallery representatives than you will with Portland. And so they're, they're looking to like process you through quickly. If you're looking at figurative, go to San Francisco, um, jump into those loops and holes, go to Chicago like put your name into those things. Like there's, there's no reason why um, Portland's just really stagnant mm. because every gallery has like 14 gal or artists they represent. And so that puts them on a loop to always show those artists. And you might see those artists every year at the same time because mm. they're on a loop. And so like there, and there's no real new galleries. We have uh national. That's like the newest one. We have a hundred grand. That's amazing. We have Disjecta, we have the Portland Contemporary Institute of Art, which is fantastic. Uh, but like that is it's hard to get into those rotations. And so if people are opening up new spaces, if um, real estate agents want to open up like storefronts that are closed down um. right now, these are all great opportunities for people to inspire and create. Uh, Kaplan is a fantastic organization to help new artists. But like it's it's hard to get into like Elizabeth Leach, into Blue Sky, you know those mainstream ones, and so it always helps, especially as a starting artist, to start with a starting gallery. Right. And I gotta say, like Blue Sky and Elizabeth Leach are amazing; they're fantastic, and they put on some great shows. But like they're gonna stick with who they know and who they've committed to, right? And like they're not gonna take on necessarily a new person. So like if younger people can start making their own spaces mm -hmm. and creating their own spaces. Like we need that to show this art and like that can't necessarily always be on the artist. We need some business mind person to jump in and be like, Hey, I can foster this. I know the clientele. I can make this happen and make these connections. And so there's a lot of openings in the art world, especially in Portland that like i don't think people are necessarily connecting the dots and being like oh i have a business degree i could do this mm -hmm. like i could open up a spot and like babysit some art and then talk to people that are rich and be like hey you should buy this for five thousand dollars because this person is this 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 is what they're doing it's going to increase in this time and like i think i think as we connect more and more people and create more spaces in this place uh to show art to create art, to see art, I think it, it will only become better. And, and I'm not trying to like knock anybody at the top of their game in the Portland area. Like I love your spaces. I love going in and seeing the art. But like if we want younger people to come in, we need those transitional ga galleries. Mm -hmm. 
to make that happen. Like in New York, there's a lot of transitional galleries. There's like the ones where you're just emerging, there's one mid-career, and then there's like the ones at the blue chip. And we just have, you know, blue chip and then like starting out. And like we need some in-between spaces. And 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 I think any city who is thinking about their city and where they want to be, like they need to think about supporting the arts. Uh, whether it's murals, where whether it's like statues, whether it's you know anything that gets people to come, people are going to come for the arts. Like right. a wall in Texas with angel wings, you know, gets a hundred thousand visitors a year just because they want to get an Instagram <laughs> photo. Like that brings hotels, that brings restaurant receipts, that brings bar receipts, that brings a ton of things to the community. And so if you can make a mural on a wall that gets people that want to take a picture with it, like you're going to support your local community even more. And so when we support the arts, we're supporting our local communities. And I think that is a big thing that Portland is slightly missing. Like we have the Forest of the Trees mural project. If you haven't seen that, it's amazing. It's all over downtown Portland. There's tons of murals that you can go and see. But like the more murals we get, the more it takes over. Like we have the Dame Dollar one across the, by Goodwill. We have, you know, a ton all over Portland and you can go on a tour during the summer when the Forest of Trees Festival happens and you can see all these amazing murals, but like that brings people in. Mm. That brings, like we have the Winter Light Festival that brings in a million people per year per previous pan pandemic, a million people into Portland spending yeah. money. That's booking hotels. That's booking, you know, restaurants that's like going out and buying you know keychains that said made in oregon like these are things that support our community and the more art we can get in and the more that like you know and and it also stops vandalism it also makes the community pretty and aesthetically pleasing mm -hmm. and it gets more people to want to like want to live here and so i think if, if we are truly focused on trying to make our community better we support the arts better and through that you know, everybody benefits. Hopefully. Oh my God. Well, I feel like I've just been schooled on this inside scoop of the visual art scene. I did not realize all of this business side of it. And I really appreciate you getting into the like the nitty gritty of the business of it and the industry of it, because I feel like art on this podcast and in my worldview is much more abstract, much more creative, which it mm -hmm. still is. But like these these business conversations you're having and these ideas you're exploring are just as important to the future of art and the success of art. And like you're saying, just our, our whole community economy is benefiting from these things in a way that's kind of hard to quantify right away, but long-term, these are the benefits. Well, LA just dropped an initiative. There's a new brand of paint. Um, it's, it reflects the Ooh. sun. And so LA is hiring artists to paint murals on buildings with a special type of paint. And so it will help the energy saving for those buildings oh. because they will reflect the paint and it won't absorb the heat and it will make it easier to cool. And so like there is so many benefits That's to this cool. that we're not necessarily thinking of because the only think of art, you think of like, it's a painting on a wall hanging someplace <laughs> in a museum, but we're not thinking of like, how does it actually make our society better? And then like, especially as a teacher, like my whole goal is like, 
like I make socially justice art, but like I want to teach kids how to make a living for themselves, how to afford college. Cause like we haven't gone to a fully socialized, you know, society. We haven't right. gone to, you know, robots taking over <laughs> everything. So how do I like teach you practically like this idea of value mm. is going to benefit your life. And like, you know, when you're 14, when you're 12, like whatever this crazy guy with a mustache <laughs> right now for his COVID is saying to you might not hit you, but when he says, Hey, we're going to make logos today and we're going to print them out and put them on t-shirts and you could sell those t-shirts for $15. And we have, you know, we bought them at $3. Look at your profit. Right. there. You know, you have a $12 profit that you could put into college. You could put it into whatever you want to do with your life. You know, you could buy a car, you could take someone out on a date. And so like trying to give them these practical ideas to like, not only uh, afford their lives that they want to have, but like make their lives whatever they mm. want. And so like my art, like I, I don't think, like I've sold a couple pieces, but like I'm not trying to sell them. Like this is just for me and creating. But what I can give is what knowledge I have from, you know, three years in a business degree and being like, oh, this is sucking the blood out of everybody. <laughs> to hey hey let's make the world a better place and like let's try to take care of other people like you know I, I can use what i've known to like hopefully not necessarily defeat the system but make the system mm. well that is just a beautiful note for us to end on troy thank you so much for being here i have learned so much today and just been so inspired by your perspective on art and just the the detail with which you've thought about all of these questions we're asking on the pod. So I'm so glad that we could have you on. Well, I appreciate it. It's a fantastic thing you're all doing and I just want to encourage you to keep oh, doing it. Thank you. And Troy, where can people find you if they want to see some of your work? What's next for you? Uh, I have a website called hyperaccumulator.com. I don't know if you know what a hyperaccumulator is. Uh, it's a project done by Mel Chen in 1995. Um, he found that, that there's this plant called the hyperaccumulator, and you plant it in toxic areas, and it brings out all the toxicity Ooh. in the space, and it makes the land rehabitable. And so it's a certain type of plant that can take out like nickel and copper oh, and wow. gold. And when you burn it, those minerals come out of it, but then the land can be replanted. And so that is my website, Hyperaccumulator, because I feel myself mm. as a hyperaccumulator, someone who's planted into rough situation that like takes out all the negativity, makes something beautiful with their art, and then you know goes on to the next thing. And so um, you can see my art there. Uh, I, I have a couple ideas, hopefully. I just, I don't know if you know about the Dear Moon Project, mm. There's a billionaire taking a group of artists up to the moon on <gasps> uh, SpaceX uh, capsule, whatever they call it. And so it's supposed to happen in 2023. I've applied today with oh uh, the first round of, of typing in your information. Maybe that happens. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, I'm doing everything I can to get on that space sh shuttle to see yes. what it looks like from a different perspective um and trying to tell my students that i'm doing it whether it happens or not like i'm 
like my registration number is like 1,678. So there's a lot of people for eight right. seats. But if that happens, I'd love to be on your podcast again. Oh and tell my you that gosh, way. yes. Well, okay. Well, look out for Troy at hyperaccumulator.com and or a trip to the moon. We will see if that's happening. Um, Troy, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll have to have you back on once you're... Skyping in uh, from space. Anytime. <laughs> anytime. I plan on uh, being your number one subscriber. Uh, so thank you. You will be with me while I grade papers and artwork. Yes. I'll be listening. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Creating Portland with me, Pearson Coons. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CreatingPDX or on our website, CreatingPDX.com. This podcast was brought to you by Wolf and Thunder Productions and Golden Pride Productions. See you next time. Bye!